we acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which you are located. And we also acknowledge the ancestors, elders and families of the Wurundjeri and Woiwurrung of the Kulin, who are the traditional owners and custodians of the university land on which this work took place. We pay respect to the deep knowledge embedded within the Aboriginal community and their ownership of country. Welcome to the Dynamics of Community podcast from Victoria University. This first series is a group of seven conversations from the project titled Documenting Community-Based Arts Approaches to Foster Social Connectedness and Health Equity. The project is gathering digital stories from young people and creatives about their experiences, visions and practices around arts and creativity that fosters social change. The project is a collaboration with and funded by Vic Health, and the work will support Vic Health's Future Reset program. This program uses community-based art projects to facilitate social connection and increased well-being for young people. The creatives are in conversation with Christopher Son and Matthew Klugman from Victoria University and they took place both in person and online. Others from the Dynamics of Community Research Collaborative were also involved in the making of these. Enjoy this collection of conversations and the rich stories and wisdom from the creatives. I really like hearing um, what, how the project came about as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful. And I think it's just like a, a testament to the fact that like the ways that sometimes as community members that we work is like through the organization doesn't really matter it's just the people that we know within the organization that can make things happen mm-hmm. so i think it's really cool just to see that in evidence um so can you um can you tell us a little bit about yourself your journey to where you are now and um and a bit about your creative practice yeah happy to so i am a youth worker um by the way i pronounce my name idol idol um, yeah um well it's evil but that's a bit hard for some people so I just say it'll so it's one or the other um but my I'm a youth worker I've been doing youth work for about six years now I started um around 18 19 um and I entered that um through volunteering um because I did that in my like teenage years and everything and I think like when I think about being um an art practitioner I feel like I don't identify as strongly with that as I do it as being like a youth worker and a community worker. Um, I am a spoken word artist. So my art practice is mostly through poetry um, and I perform. I've had some experience and I think like a lot of youth workers can speak to this where we're programming art things for our young people. So a lot of um, artists, well, I should probably start with how I entered like art spaces, which is like through black art spaces, um, a collective named Still Nomads used to do um, and still are doing things, but used to, there was an era where they did a lot of programming that I was um, attending. Um, and through them, like I, um, through that group and through like other poetry related things, I've met a lot of people. So like Ruth, for example, somebody that I know through, um, like I met through Still Nomads um, and a lot of our friends who were people that I met through that space were performing, were um like we were getting together, we were doing different things and um, it led to somebody in, also I'm using an old t-shirt to blow my nose. Um, so if you just see me just doing one of these <laughs> ones, that's what's happening. Um, but uh, 
there was a, a group that got together, Sureti, who's a Oromo spoken word artist, and Neil Morris, Dreaming Now, um, did a collaboration where they got a bunch of Afro-Black, Pacifica, and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists together. Um, and they did, they they had us meet over um, a few months to put together a show. Um, and there was poets, there was musicians, singers, rappers. Oh, I don't think there was... I don't know if people rapped as part of it. People did poetry. So, but they were also, yeah. Um, but essentially, like, um, we did this performance as part of Year and Boy First Nation Festival um, called To Know Each Other. And a lot of us got to know each other through that, ironically. Um, and it meant that, like, I was spending, from spending time in, like, predominantly Afro-Black art collectives, it kind of spanned out um to going to a lot more like first nation programming and pacifica programming um and at the same time and i i feel like it's really important to like mention that a lot of us were attending each other's protests in solidarity um and like you know either marshalling for each other postering for each other like um sharing on our social media outreach about um any harm that's done to our own and each other's communities so there was like a at the same time as there was an art practice, there was like a movement practice happening at the same time. Um, and they they obviously interconnected as well because what people were singing about, rapping about, um, writing poetry about, creating visual art about, um, what people were programming, even like when you enter the spaces, the way people were present, like introducing um, people, the way people were doing their acknowledgement even, you know, it wasn't, um, uh, it wasn't token, well, I can't speak for every single space and every single thing that happened, obviously, but a lot of the times it's people like connecting it to sovereignty and connecting it to land rights rather than it being just uh, acknowledgement of something that used to be rather than instead it was like something that is and something that we're continuing to work um, towards, right? Um, so yeah, I feel like that's like my my introduction to black art spaces and through my work it meant that I could you know um the not-for-profit there's money there's not money it's really confusing sometimes but um we me and my co-workers um who um one of them was an illustrator um another one claims to not have a creative burn in her body but it's just such a good like <laughs> conversationalist I feel like that's her creative practice to be honest um and the way she brings people together so um we partnered um, with Signal and they were able to support us financially um, to curate artists from our community to um, come and facilitate for a group of young women that we met with weekly. So it was really like incredible because it meant like Signal had their own, like, you know, all the artists that they connected to and they had all these suggestions and we're like, that's really great. I think those artists are great really glad that you're thinking in the vein of having people of color come to our group of like young African and Muslim young women. But we were like, we actually know exactly who we want. We just want you guys to pay for it. Can you guys do that? And they were completely on board. And it's a similar thing um, with like knowing somebody there, right? So we knew somebody, um, well, we got to know somebody and she was just like our, like our champion in that space. Um, so we were able to have, um, yeah, a few different people, but it was like specifically from like the Carlton community. So there were, um, and if they weren't from the Carlton community, they were connected to the Carlton community. So we didn't have any facilitators who came in and like didn't know the young women 
or if it was one young woman or knew all the young women right um so yeah that's like I guess like how I entered um yeah and I performed which is like the thing that I didn't mention I used to perform in different places as well that's a that's an amazing that's an amazing story um I wonder I think I mean even though you said that your main role is sort of um, the youth, uh, youth youth work, but it sounds like um, the community arts or the, the, I don't know, even if you define it as community arts, I know that in Australia we use that that term. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wondered if you could say a little bit more about what community arts uh, mean to you. Yeah, well, I guess, like, I think, I feel like there's different ways of thinking about it and when I say community arts it means a few different things to me and like on the one hand it's like you know people from our communities creating art and us going through and supporting them which I feel like is the version that's less important to me but I think is still important like having people show up for you when you're um people from your direct community um validating you know a career in the arts validating um the work that you're doing but I think more importantly it's like for me I feel like community arts is something that benefits, like you're creating an art practice and you're bringing people together to benefit the community. So there's something that you are addressing if it's in small ways or large ways, but there's an intention there to shift something in our community in a way that benefits us. So a lot of the time, like when I think about the type of poetry I write, I write a lot of poetry about my feelings and stuff, but that's not the poetry I perform. Like I perform poetry that's about like, the pieces that I feel um, dissect um, and reflect back are the hardship that we experience collectively um, due to oppression. And I try to name that. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I guess that that would be my mm. definition of community arts. I think it's hard as well. Cause I think that if we start talking about a community art space, then it's like obviously a space that's um, accessible, but I think, um to our to our communities that actually isn't um for the art space to um create the like I guess like something that I see oftentimes is like there's somebody in our community who's brilliant like we'll have a Mm. poet or we'll have a visual artist we'll have like just people who do some great things and what happens is these art spaces take that person from our community and has them performing on their platforms which is fantastic they're getting paid they're being recognized but then sometimes they make it difficult for the actual community itself to attend and and see the person from our community performing or be in the space in a way that we can interact and like it's so facilitated and one of the reasons why I love AfroHub was a space that existed for a good long while um they don't exist anymore but um Saba um a person yeah, you know, Sava, she's amazing. Um, Sava's Ethiopian restaurant decided to like create another venue, um, Afrohab. And like that space, performing in that space is so different to other spaces I performed in because it was facilitated by us and you got to decide, like Sava was there to support you, um, her and her team, because it wasn't just her, it was multiple people that were part of that team. Um, but it wasn't how they wanted to see things play out. It's how you want to see it play out and they would support you in that. Mm-hmm. But in other places you perform and they'll say, you know, they might say, oh, well, there'll be a question and answer time at the end. Or they'll, they really decide it's somebody else's curation. It's somebody else's vision. And they're just inserting you in their vision rather than your vision being able to play it out. And I didn't, honestly, entering art spaces was the first time I found out that curation was a thing. And the way that I found out was somebody 
somebody reached out to me to do something and I said, oh, I don't know if I'm the right fit for this. And then I gave them like three other names or something of other people who would be the right fit for it. And um, somebody was like, hey, Idol, did you get asked to do this thing? Like an older person, um, older, like Pacifica person who I really look up to. And she was just saying to me, like, you know, um, and I was like, yeah, they reached out to me. I don't think I'm like the right fit. So I gave them these names. And she was like, hmm. And just like had a, a bit of a chat with me. She's like, that person's a curator. Their whole job is finding people mm-hmm. um, and programming them. And you just did their job for them for free. Um, and was like, to me, don't do that. You know? And I was like, oh. And in my head, I was like, oh, I'm just getting people paid. Like, I want, if I can't do it, there's other really great people who could do it. But it was something that really, like, it had me thinking. Because I was like, how do we make sure that pe- really brilliant people get those opportunities? And then, like, I was because I didn't even know curation was a thing. I wasn't even thinking, well, there's people from our communities who already have those connections who support these performers who could actually curate them rather than giving, um, doing the work for people who don't have those connections and haven't like made an effort to connect, make those connections. But I found it so hilarious because I was like, what do you mean people just like put people on a lineup together? Like, obviously there's some amazing curators and you're like, and now I can see the value in it. But at the time, I just was so confused by this prospect of like somebody is putting us all together, like, and that's what they're doing. Mm. Um, that's like their role and that's like their art practice, which is a, I feel like I don't want to be undermining it. I want to speak to how I felt at the time, but at the same time, <laughs> I feel like I understand how brilliant it is now. But when it's done poorly, like how how it takes people from our communities and and actually restricts access from and like to the people that it would benefit the most to hear these works and experience these works um, and something that actually could um, ignite us and create more work like this but also create change in our communities mm. yeah I hope I made sense I feel like that's I amazing it yeah look at, yeah Matthew I just wanted to follow up with it all just about uh, um there's a couple of things, you know, that you, you said earlier that I think um, has come out in some of the, the other interviews too, just this, this generative process led by people, um, but also I think the, the importance of valid, validation or affirmation of, of um, experiences. And I think the other thing that stood out for me now, uh, well, I think there's a whole lot of things <laughs> that, that stood out, but it's just also the... Um, creating the space for people to reflect on or to share the experiences or responses uh, in relation to the hardships hardships produced by oppression. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to see if, if you could say a little bit more about that because I think there's a, there's a number of elements there around um, what is it that the arts do um, in relation to who who comes, how people come together, and so forth. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess like an example I can share of seeing it happen really well right now is like um, Ruth has that reference group and it's funnily enough part of like, you know, Future Reset. Yes. Um, and she has a group of us coming together for uh, Black people talking about how like, you know, um, she's doing that work to shape how she works in, um, it's not for CAC anymore, it's FACA, FAC, you know, what's great community yeah, arts. Yeah, yeah. Um, without the center um yeah and like 
it just there's so much space for us to like have dialogue and I think she curated it in a way that it was people who were f- a mixture of people who were familiar like there was a there was each person in the group has a tie to another person but we're not all tied to each other so there's like a comfortability and I feel like in the way that she did it it's so organic because that's how we actually come together when we come like when you have like a a community meeting or you have some sort of gathering it's people aren't there who know nobody you know and I feel like when you enter some art spaces it's like that where it's like these people who know nobody who just saw it on the internet and came which is great but if you're not facilitating you know at the risk of sounding like a youth worker if you're not facilitating some sort of getting to know each other some type of warm-up activity something that like breaks down and like um brings us back to all having like some sort of similarities and some sort of connection then we're all just strangers in a space so I guess like when it comes to us being able to be in a space together and actually share our experiences I think like we need infrastructure we need you know resources but we also need something that the expectation isn't to produce something um because the things that actually need um change in our various communities it's like long-term work and it doesn't it won't happen after like a one-year two-year funding round like it's something that we're ongoing like we're working on ongoing and even when you think about how this project that you guys are working on right right now came to be it's like 10 over 10 years in the works right and I feel like there's not that same um there's not that same grace when we're even having dialogue about the projects that we're doing like mm-hmm. um it's not even grace it's not even it's it's realism like like is that the right word like it being realistic that like this is like for example Ruth having this reference group or like us doing all these different things like it didn't just come that we were like oh suddenly I've been seeing this person on Instagram and I wanted to contact if somebody who wasn't Ruth reached out to me and was like hey do you want to be part of a reference group for the community like arts I'd be like not really like you know like I don't mm. don't really like you know I I like this space when it's being used by some people and I think it's really great and I think like it's a, like as far as community art spaces Footscray is like one of the ones I like a lot more um one of my faves actually but I'm like I don't really care it depends who's what's the vision of the person who's actually holding that space can I buy into their vision is my question and I think that sometimes especially like the thing that I found strange about curation it's like I'm you're doing things behind the scenes but I'm not hearing what your vision is but you're expecting me to fulfill your vision to work into your vision um so I think that like I think it's about us being able to speak for real about what is the what's the what's the history of our work what's the connection how long has it been in like how long has it been in the making but also realistically how long is it going to take for us to um and not see it as completion of work but just the continuing of the work you know like there's nothing that we're starting that's brand new we're just building upon the things that have existed so how do we keep building upon it in a way that's like beneficial but also how do we record what we're building upon because I think that like there's so much work that's happening in our communities like for me personally like I find out about the work that like for example Reem who um there's somebody in our community who's who did like the people's court um years and years ago and like she did it it was like yeah it was like 
nearly 10 years ago that she was doing work like that in the community and she was like a young person and she was doing you know like the police accountability project basically came from that like um young black women creating these projects and then um that organization like phlegm can exist that project exists but it doesn't have the same people steering it or like or the same people even involved at all in it you know who had that original vision I'm sorry if I'm going a little bit off track, but I'm, I guess I'm just trying to explain like how how people's who initiate a vision don't remain in that when it comes to jobs, like they leave the job, the vision gets picked up by somebody else, the people disengage from it because they were, um, and, and at the risk of like not being like, I don't believe in the like one leader type thing like but it's more that we're a network of people and there's a trust between us because we've Mm. seen each other's work like I've seen Ruth's work over a long period of time I know what type of person she is um and I know that like what she's meant to me and other community members over the years you know so I think Mm. that like that's really valuable like I think those relationships are the most valuable thing so I, I really think that those spaces are dependent on relationships and our relationships require us to to like be able to come together and have the resources to be able to come together and just spend time. I think that the, yeah. our relationships is the strongest part. I think, and I think that's so important because it, it's almost like, and it's and it's more than work, right? And I think because that's that's so central and that vision because that it's it's almost like it's almost like life work, and the, these places are just uh, infra- they they are just the infrastructure for. For what it is that that you want and desire in the in the world Without and in the community, yeah, mm. yeah, and also, yeah, like the sense I'm getting is 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 it's about visions that are great grounded in relational practices, you know, where yeah. where where those relationships and you know and the work that those relationships do and what they offer to the world is 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 foregrounded as as the kind of mm. yeah, as a critical part of the vision, um, yeah which yeah like it's such a yeah um it's so great to hear these things because i think they offer a deepening of of of, of what we've been talking about a fair mm. bit um in this in terms of yeah those questions of access and those questions of um you know what is the what is the role of the art and you know expectations you know versus yeah, spaces where where people can just come and be, without <laughs> without a sense that something's been solved immediately or yeah yeah yeah, it's oh. fascinating. yeah yeah oh sorry yeah no you go if you want to respond uh, to that yeah I guess I like something I wanted to add to that is like the relationships but also like the knowledge building and I feel I feel like there's not an investment in us like I think we work in these places and like like you were saying. Um, Chris about this idea of like we we're doing lifelong work and then these are just the places that like are employing us at the time and we're just figuring out how we can continue to do our long lifelong work and like I believe that wholeheartedly and I think that that's what I've been trying to do like Mm. for as long as I've been working um because I just don't believe in the vision of like the places that like sometimes when I've been able to shape some of it but for the most part I'm like these places the not-for-profit like youth work as a whole like I think that the way it's done is so poorly mm. um especially the potential youth work has like you know we could be doing real revolutionary work mm. um and we try to you know um but I think something that stands out to me is like 
the there's these places that we work that we give things to um, and the things that we contribute are not things that we get professional development around the things that we contribute we learn outside of the role and we learn at a cost to our ourselves in the sense of like who we then become in these workplaces that we when we share like the backlash that we deal with or you know I think it's of great benefit to ourselves to have these knowledges of oppression and systems of oppression because then we have an understanding that we can work under. But I think that, like, it's not beneficial in capitalism to know these things. Like, it's really... And it's not beneficial to talk about these things in the not-for-profit industrial complex. Like, I think it's really, like, you're met with backlash when you say, like, we're actually doing meaningless busy work sometimes and we want to do meaningful work, you know? Um, so like I say that to say like in these spaces that we're coming together and we're reflecting, I think that there needs to be space for us to be building our knowledge, especially um, I mentioned Reem to be like, you know, I was a teenager when she was doing this work and I've known her because we live in adjacent community. She's a North Melbourne girl and I'm a Carlton girl and we've seen each other for years, but I didn't even know the valuable work she was doing because when you're in high school, you really are not going to some of the community things. You're just hanging out with your peers. Mm. And then when you come out of high school, you're replicating work that's already been done rather than building upon it, you know, or you're creating different work, but you could have been doing it a lot better if you knew that there was people in your community who've already done it. And it's so bizarre because I think that sometimes people think that we know, like, for example, there's so many people I know that don't know what I do and vice versa. And I think that like, I think the space is a need for people who are older than us, who've done this work to be, to have space to share their mm. lessons from that, but also just like a dedication to our development. Mm yeah that's amazing um, I, I wanna I wanted to ask about the um, I guess you've got professional practice and then you've got the potential of youth work and 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 how you how you are in your work uh, revolutionizing the youth work practice. What does, that, what, does the, what does that look like because I'm yeah look I think I mean the, yeah. the stuff that I've been hearing I think there's this work. And then yeah. the work that you actually, <laughs> yeah, you know, work. and I think because my experience of future of future reset that that event was the, there's there's the work mm. <laughs> that the organization wants you to do, and then there was yes. this thing that everyone was doing, and I said, oh my god, this is completely uh, yeah. driven. It, it it was such a, a felt the, the space felt um, so energetic. Uh, yeah open uh, yeah, yeah so I'm just trying to yeah to to hear what you what you say about what what does it actually mean to to embody yeah. the sort of practice yeah that yeah. You, you think is possible I think yeah well I guess like the one of the ways I feel like oppression really strives and like really makes tides in the community is like just n- us not like the withholding of information and I think organizations do this really like really strange thing of you know having relationships with police having relationship with you know funders or state government relationships and different key players that they that they hold um and then they voice our community's concerns and they voice like what our community how things are impacting our community like they're legit the the channel and if there's a channel and then and it's i'm not saying anything you don't know where it's like you're not gonna say 
the truth to your funders. You want money and you're going to say what you need to, to get that money. Um, and I think Vic Health is, a, um, Vic Police is a very like interesting player in that because, you know, you can get funding really easily if you have a support letter from them and more and more so um, criminalized policed communities like, you know, mm. um, we're, we're geared towards like, like it's really difficult for us to have events without having the police there because that's the way um, like that the leisure centers or the place that you're booking will feel comfortable is if we're being policed in our community space. That's the, like, yeah. Um, so I think that, like, the ways that I feel like has been important to, like, revolutionary, re- revolutionize our work is to actually put a mirror to that and be like, you know, there's actually communities that don't deal with policing. Like, like you know, they have their community events. If you ever go to a white netball thing, like, you know, there's, there's no not police. police there. They have their <laughs> AFL tournaments. There's no police there. Maybe off-duty, the fathers, you know, but there's not, they're not being, there's not people in uniform strolling around the place. There's not cars around. There's not dogs around, you know? So I think that like, for me, it's like putting a reflection of that and being really like, and I think it, there was a great benefit of being a young person who joined youth work because I felt like I hadn't been, um, and I hadn't been a person who studied youth work. I entered youth work at 18, 19 around then. And it was a time where I really, um, I was like, being further radicalized and learning a lot of um, really amazing things um, and then entered the space. And because I hadn't gone through the formal study, I didn't know how, quote unquote, how things are meant to go. So one of the first things I was curious about, and I was working in my own community. So the organization I worked at was the organization is services I used to attend, you know, like I used to go to the youth things, you know, so straight away, I, I had so much curiosity because I'm like, I'm seeing the back end back end side of where I used to work and um when I started to see the funding I think that they never expected the people who would read the funding would be the people from the community and the ways that they spoke about us was disgusting like I was like I this is not who I am this is not who we are um and I found it degrading to be honest so it was interesting because straight away I was like, you know, this is not how I think we should. And I did it under the guise of, oh, I would really love to know how, how do you apply for funding? Like, what are the different? So as soon as I read one, I was like, I want access to all of them. Got access to all of them. And I think being young and curious, people would love to give you things, especially when they, they're they like, there's potential in this one, you know? So then they would give me more and more information. And I was just like collecting it all and like feeding it back to, first I was like to the team, hey, did you know that this is how we spoke? were spoken about in the funding and people in the team didn't know the few black people who were in the team and more people were joining at that time as well who were from the community so I was like okay this is how we're being spoken about and then was able to when we all had a consensus of like this is not who we are then you could go to management and be like hey we don't want this language to be used when we apply for funding like it's actually it's not acceptable um and then also being like I want to be able to say to young people in the community this is the funding we applied for this is the amount we've got this is what we said and right now i can't take these pieces of paper to my community because they're going to be like why are you working there and mm. why are we going to these programs like which upon reflection maybe we should have all just left at that point but we move um but at the time like you know read it but then also started to ask questions about what funding are we ex- accepting like there was specific funding at that time and it was like you know 
about Muslims being radical and Black people being violent and, you know. So there was, like, specific funding that was for Somali, South Sudanese and Pacifica communities. There was certain funding that was for Muslim communities to stop them, like, from being, you know, terrorists. Um, and those were the fundings that these organisations were applying for and receiving, you know. Um, some Australian funding, like, to basically assimilate. Um, and it was such a hard thing to be, like, because when you need money, you're like, oh, our community needs money. And then actually being like, no, not like this. And I think it was really difficult because um, when I was speaking to like people in the organization being like, I don't think we should apply for this funding, this funding, this funding, because it reinforces that our communities are this, you know? And they were like, okay, but the community needs the funding. And I, and it was a good moment to be like, well, I am the community. Um, we are the community. I'm happy to like host a community meeting and we can talk about the the funding and the language we use and what we apply for, we can all come to a consensus if that's what you want. But personally, this doesn't sit right with me. And I think there was always that looming threat and I didn't realize that I was making a threat. I just thought I was giving options. But now I look back on it and be like, oh, every time I said, well, let's go to the community and let's have a chat. And then suddenly it was okay, whatever I was saying and that they accepted it. I was like, oh, you guys are afraid of the community because you know what you're doing is unethical mm. um and i think it was like a understanding of like you know i was bottom tier like you know from our communities a lot of the time we 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 enter the entry level jobs where the casual workers or the people who work directly with the community we're not management we're not hr we're not accounting we're not any of that you know so i i think that there was an understanding that also when i saw the budget breakdown was that understanding that a lot of money goes to overheads so in the way that like the money, a lot of money goes to staffing as well, which I was like, oh, all the money goes to staffing, uh, which I'm like, I guess people need wages. But if we literally just split all this money and give it directly to the people and told them, hey, you can use this money for this X, Y, Z, which personally, I think you should just give the money to the people and got rid of all the middle people. I think our community should absolutely strive, but um, thrive. Yeah, um, we are striving. <laughs> We're not yet thriving. <laughs> but I really felt like um, seeing the funding, I was like, okay, well, we're paying bills, you're paying mortgages, you know, we're living in gov housing, you, you're buying houses, you know, like, I was like, it was this understanding of like, you apply for this funding, not to benefit the community, it's to keep the organization afloat and to keep your jobs afloat. Because every bit of funding you get, you get a cut from it, it doesn't go directly to our communities, you know, so it was like making other staff members understand that. Um, and every bit of like knowledge that you get making sure that everybody in your team is on the same page, which like off like being quite honest it's like we all have different perspectives as a community and there's not enough like you were speaking about Chris it's like you know there's not enough space you know for us to actually the question you asked earlier about like on I don't know if it was a question or statement but like this space that we come together and we talk about like oppression and we we have the space to be validated and reflect and all of that it's like well because we might not have had this with our co-workers sometimes there'll be co-workers being like oh yeah but like you know if the young people have a good relationship with police, then when the police stop them, then, then they won't react, da, 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 da. And then it was like, actually, there's like, there's work that shows us that that's actually not the case. Mm. And the police are actually the aggressors. So it doesn't matter how wonderful our young people are. If young people actually know um, the reality of the police, then the best thing that they can do is be distrustful, which means that they won't give information that they shouldn't. Um, they won't give any information. Um, if they're distrustful, they would avoid the police. If they're distrustful, they would 
um, basically play into their own surveillance of themselves and their peers. Like, you know, I was like, I want young people to feel distrustful of the police because they should feel distrustful of the police. I don't want them to have stronger relationships with the police because it puts them in danger. And mm-hmm. like, I think that it was, it's, it was so hard to have like that, um, the unrest. And I think that like management and organizations take advantage of that unrest because for example, there was a period of time where one of my coworkers, a black man, they had him with a white coworker going and having poli- meetings with the police and didn't tell the team for a long time. And it was interesting because I remember just being like, oh, where is he? I needed him for something um, and like needed to meet with him. And I checked his calendar and another person put it in his calendar, but he didn't have the details. And I thought it was strange and I didn't think about it. And then months later, when I found out that he was meeting with the police, I realized why this other person was putting it in his calendar in that way. And I remember when I spoke to him about it, I was just like, hey, and he was like, oh, I wasn't hiding it from you. Like, um, and he wasn't at the time. Like he just, he didn't, he knew I disagreed, but he didn't know the conversations that I'd had with, um, with like, you know, with our coordinator, with our, super, like our direct supervisor, like about this thing. So they took advantage of him being okay somewhat okay because I also think he wasn't comfortable um as a young black person to like have these meetings with the police but he felt like he was in his role and it was his responsibility and you don't really get a choice um Mm. in these places but it was interesting because I was like to him okay if everything was above board why was it not in your calendar everything normally has a proper name like why would it and he was like oh I didn't put it in the calendar and I was like exactly and it was a moment for him as well and he was like oh I see like you weren't meant to know, so you wouldn't talk to me about it, so you wouldn't change my mind on this, like, we wouldn't have this dialogue, and then, like, so it was Mm. just seeing how long that they could get away with this, you know, so I think, like, I think that, like, the revolutionary work we need to have is, like, those really strong relationships, and, like, when we have disagreements, having, like, that forgiveness, and, like, um, and, like, remembering above all else that, because there's places where we, I feel that we were actually pitted against pitted against each other as community um and certain community members opinions were seen as more valuable than others you know um even like the way that they staffed sometimes and the way that they like gave opportunities so it was just like being really careful um with each other like being really like honest with each other and being like hey I noticed that I got staffed for this thing that you wanted to get staffed for like um did you are you no longer available okay well I'll say yes, and then I'll say that I can't do it, but I know that you can. Like, let's let's finesse for each other. But I think that also what comes with that as well as resentment, like this idea of like, you know, um, you're giving me this because it's being given to you when it should be given to me, you know? So I think that it's navigating that and naming it and being like, I don't want our relationship to break down because of what these people in power are doing to us, you know? Um, so I think the revolutionary work is like, the side of the staff but then also like feeding information directly to young people like having these sessions and be like you know um I remember when we started doing sessions for young men in the community um and it was hilarious because the premise of a co- the, the program was like uh we wanted to have dialogue with young men about like identity and belonging and stuff and as soon as we said it everyone was like like other staff members male staff members especially were like the boys weren't good for that like they don't want to sit in a group and have conversations like you could do that with the girls but you can't do that and I was like I don't think you guys know how rowdy the girls are the girls really just be trying to have fun as well like it's more that we make the conversations interesting and I remember we had these these sessions with the boys when I tell you nightmare sessions like 
the best time and the worst time all mixed into one. Like we used to, as staff would go home. I used to go home and go to sleep. That's how tired I was after the session because it really took all your energy. And like, I remember the first session I was like, you know, um, we know we don't do acknowledgements for all of our programs, but we really would, because some of our programs are like a bit of a drop in. There's, there's not enough effort. And I think that like facilitators need training in facilitation and I think that youth workers sometimes don't get training and facilitation we're just like we're just youth workers we're meant to just hold the space but facilitation skills is like really what makes or breaks a, a space so it was so interesting to be like hey like um to the young men like you know we really want to start doing acknowledgement and we felt like this is such an amazing space to start doing acknowledgement because we're going to be talking about belonging and who we are in this space so we want to ground it in where we are and what the history of this place is you know so we start to like go in and I remember from the very beginning like the young men were like acknowledgement like don't want to do it and like I remember it was hilarious because one of the things they said was like what we'd ordered a flag an original flag we really wanted to like have it in the space and everything and they were like what are you going to bring the original flag next and I was like yeah that's exactly what we're planning to do um and it's like I was just like okay and then I was like why this why the tension like because these are young African men so I was like why the hate like what's up and because we grew up with them as well with like again the relationships they're all boys who are younger than me um they went to the same primary school and high school as me I know their older siblings like we have like these long ongoing relationships so I'm like so I'm like why the beef and I'm like since what like you know you you're like since when do we have beef with original and torture island people like and it was hilarious because like you know they're just like yeah but like why do we need to all the time like they're always being spoken about like you're in school and they're saying you know acknowledgement this and da 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 and then I'm like okay they're always being spoken about how are they being spoken about is it positively or is it negatively like what are the so then we started to like write down examples and you know they're talking about close the gap in school and they're talking about like Australian day versus invasion days because you know the schools they're trying to keep up with what's happening um sometimes in good ways sometimes in shit ways but we just start brainstorming and we're like okay but what's are the ways original and Torres Strait Islander communities are being spoken about actually reflective of them as a community? Is it positive? Is it through a white lens? Um, and then also like, how does it, but I just remember like that program being like us being able to push back about this idea. And I remember one of the first things I said to the boys is the programming that they do for young men is not good enough because you get sport programs and that's it. And we know you're more than sport. And that's why we want to have this program. And as soon as we said that to the boys, I felt like something dissolved. There was like a, like um, a pushback, like a resistance that they were just like, oh, that actually, that makes sense. Like, so, and I think it's, I think that sometimes workers are like trying to do some like shifty thing where they're like, I'm going to change the young people's mind without them even knowing. I'm like, okay, like, I think you have to be like, okay, this is what I'm working on. This is what I feel like from what I've seen would be beneficial do you feel like that would be beneficial? And like, and they're hilarious as well because they're like, we don't want to talk for that long. And then I'll be like, well, we're not going to talk for that long because we're going to be eating as well. And then we're like, what are we eating? And then I'm like, what do you want to eat? And then we're like, okay. And then we just like go back and forth and we'll like break into groups. And sometimes we'll be like, we'll do board games. Like, but I feel like, I think it's having a time and time again, sharing what the vision is and then seeing whether or not people buy into it and like not feeling like, I feel like what, what makes youth work so revolutionary is that you're having people who have like are definitely being institutionalized primary school, high school, where really like 
being taught that this is the way things are in so many ways, but it's not as rigid as you get, as you get older. So I feel like there's already a bit of pushback and like, you can say something that makes sense to young people and they could be like, that makes sense. Whereas you can tell grown people something makes sense and they'll tell you that it doesn't, even though they know in their house it does, you know, like, so I think that there's a different, um, I don't know, if, does that answer some of what yeah. you were asking? Yeah, look, I think, I mean, there's, they're really amazing examples um, of, uh, I guess there's, there's a couple of things that stood out for me. Because um, one, one is about, there's, there's got to be a sort of a healthy suspicion towards these institutions. <laughs> yeah. institutions and that, that itself um, is quite important because it's what, what other powers that's regulating or controlling. So there's some questioning there. There's, yeah. like, you talk about the importance of humanizing relationships um creating that trust i think um but i think the and then i think the the other thing is about the the complicity of the not-for-profit um organizations in maintaining a system of in <laughs> a system that ends up being really inequitable and mm. and i guess the other the other thing is also the the the, the, the myths around what it means to be black in this country um yeah. You know, and the work—the work that you need to do to dispel those, or to, yeah, or to create spaces when there's no resources or no actual uh, mm. opportunities for you to, or for community to engage in those conversations. Yeah, about mm. about the history, about their place, about yeah, the, yeah. Um, so I think those sorts of things, and that as, as just—I mean—that is the, the the basic sorts of. I guess maybe some principles and some practices around what it, what it means to be doing something that uh, is humanizing or re revolutionizing or revolutionizing as humanizing. I guess there's something there that I hear uh, from what yeah. you said. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, yeah. Such, such, uh, such detailed, rich insights into, yeah, like the workings of power <laughs> and, mm. and, you know, and colonial power and then what you can do around that. And I think, how lots of these systems understand themselves as doing good when they when they when they're upholding these kind of uh, foundational um, racist power structures, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like even in terms of that taking taking people out in a way that doesn't invite their community with them, and and so you know is a is doing violence as well as you know work around representation. Yeah. Can I also add, like, I feel like the, the people who get hired, it's no coincidence that the people who are most active, most well-connected, who are already doing things in their communities get hired by um, our institutions and, like, community organisations um, to enact what the organisation or the, you know, what they feel like needs to happen for the community. And I think it takes away, like, some really... Um, valuable members of our community who would do work that would greatly benefit us and puts the the work they're able to do in the confines of what the organization allows you know